We uh, divert just a little bit. I wouldn't say a divert, but we change a little bit of our practice, as many of you already know, uh, just a couple of times a year uh, where we go from chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and we do somewhat of a topical study. And this is one of those times where we, um, as believers, we love to uh, talk about the birth of Christ. And so um, this is the, the season that we're in, in our culture, and why not um, dive into the true meaning of Christmas. And so I was, uh, like you, have, um, have been noticing the trend of our culture and the trends of our days and how we're sharply uh, turning into a secular country where uh, Jesus and, and even the nativity uh, scenes have been disappearing throughout our culture and times. And so um, I wanted to bring a message this morning as a way of reminder uh, and so nothing, you know, the Christmas story to us, especially Bible believers, uh, is, is not new to us. We understand the birth of Christ and Christmas. And so, but this morning we'd like to, a refresher uh, this time of year as well. And so if we can begin with a word of another uh, time of prayer. And Father, we into your presence now, Lord, we're thankful again that we're able to come and to open up your word and Lord, to grow by it and to... Lord, um, allow it to sink through our lives, Lord, that we would not uh, and never be um, part of this uh, culture when it comes to denying who you are, Father, and by sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us. And um, so, Lord, this morning, may your Holy Spirit have his way, and may he come and be our teacher this morning. And we're thankful, for it's in Jesus' name, amen. I was noticing an article from Christianity Today on the sharp, what got my attention, it says the sharp decline in Americans who believe biblical nativity story. So there's a sharp decline in this. So that's what got my attention. Um, it says there, there has been a sharp decline in the, in the proportion of the Americans, of Americans who believe the biblical account of, Christ, of the Christmas story. And a new survey suggests that while 9 and 10 will celebrate Christmas in some form this year, but it, what I notice here, it says, but just half, um, half or 50% think uh, the key aspect to the biblical nativity story are true. I don't know if that made sense, but only half believed or think that the key aspects of the biblical nativity story are true, such as Jesus being uh, born to a virgin, that he was laid in a manger, wise men bringing gifts after being guided uh, to him by um, a star, and also an angel's appearing to the shepherds. Uh, one researcher group um, from the Washington Pew, Pew Research Center describes the drop as one of the most striking changes in recent years, as 57% said they believe the four, as the four central aspects to the biblical account, compared to 65% just three years ago uh, in, during this survey. Amazing how the, the drop of people... Uh, dropping out of believing in the biblical narrative or of the nativity. Another stat says that overall, uh, regarding Americans, one in five, one in five Americans now say that none of these things actually happened. So one in five Americans say that these things never happened. 
the word nativity, we don't use, it's very rare to use that nowadays. That word, uh, the word nativity is actually many, uh, one of many words born from the verb, uh, Latin verb, uh, nasi or nasi, uh, which means, simply means to be born. So when you use, use the word nativity, it just means to be born. Um, and another striking thing uh, uh, in Britain, I was reading in Britain, 30% notice of um, 18 to 25-year-olds um, in Britain don't know the Christmas story at all. 30% of them, 18 to 25-year-olds, do not know the Christmas story at all. Uh, they, they don't even know where Jesus was born. 30% of them don't even know where Jesus was born. Only 44% of junior hires uh, know that Christmas is meant to celebrate Jesus' birth. Only 44% of those. Another, uh, I was reading these articles in, regarding, especially it's widespread, widespread in the UK. Uh, another shocking survey said that just um, uh, one in 80 Christmas cards feature the traditional nativity story as Jesus being born in a stable. It went on to say that church leaders said the findings were further evidence that people were losing touch with the real reason for Christmas celebrations. So true. Reading another survey, uh, one survey uh, uh, said that uh, this, the festive designs by leading greeting card producers Hallmark um, or, and Card Factory found that only seven showed Jesus, Mary, and Joseph and the wise men or an angel, notice out of more than 800 uh, or 580 Christmas cards, only seven of them had anything to do with Jesus' birth out of 580 Hallmark cards. Of course, we have our American atheists every year. They're always trying to um, you know, promote their propaganda and hating Jesus. Um, every year they have some type of advertisement in Times Square. One year they had a slogan that said, uh, keep the merry and dump the myth. Uh, the American atheist. Uh, a more recent campaign said, just skip church, it's all fake news. And that came from the article, I was reading an article out of Newsweek um, regarding this. One of their blatant advertisement says, who needs Christ during Christmas? And then it says, Nobody. But yet, we all seem to benefit here in the United States off of the birth of Christ uh, for Christmas. Uh, some, uh, the, the, even the retailers, they forecast the amount of about $730 billion uh, will be spent during this, Hollywood, um, this holiday uh, retail season. Everybody benefits off of Christ, don't they? And that's up from $4 billion in the year 2000. So in 19 years, it's gone up to $730 billion spent in Christmas. And so this morning, I just wanted to bring a title to you, um, The Real Christmas Story. The Real Christmas Story. And bringing back the nativity uh, scene of Jesus being born. You know, the word Christmas, uh, the very name has or says what we celebrate this time of year. Christ Mass. The word Christ means the anointed one uh, or the, the Messiah. Uh, one, other, one translation calls him the chosen one, the anointed one. And then the, the word Mass, Christ Mass, comes from the word Mass itself, which means dismissal 
or like this one, mission. So if you look, put Christmas together, it's the word Christ mission. Christ mission. I like that. Because his mission, which is taken out of this morning's, I put it as the key verse this morning for the real Christmas story, Matthew 1.21 says, and I'll read it to you, and she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And that is Christ's mission, the anointed one, the son of God coming in his mission is to save mankind and to uh, take away the sins of mankind. Well, this morning, quickly, I wanted to uh, talk to, to about three things this morning. And I wrestled all week of what, uh, you know, we can, there's so many stories of the Christmas stories and so many uh, facets of the scriptures where we can turn to. But I wanted to talk on three things. I want to talk about the encounter, the encounter, and we're going to be, uh, the scriptures that we'll use is Luke 1, 26 to 35, regarding the encounter. And then we're going to look at the encouragement, the encouragement in Matthew 1, 18 through 25. And the third thing that we're just going to highlight this morning is the enrollment. And so we're going to talk about the encouragement, I'm sorry, the encounter, the encouragement, and the enrollment. Let's take a look this morning regarding what it means about the encounter. Simply, it's Christ's birth announced to Mary. And that's going to be in Luke 1. Let's read in Luke chapter 1, and we're going to read uh, 26 through 35 ultimately, but let's take a look at 26 and 27 up front because we're going to talk about the encounter in Luke 1, 26 and 27. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Interesting, and Nazareth is, um, was much, is much widely known today than it has ever been uh, even in Jesus' day. Not too many people even recognize the town of Nazareth. And uh, in, in the Hebrew writings called the Talmud, it's not even out of 63 villages in the area of Galilee, not, Nazareth is not even mentioned. The, um, the Jewish first century historian named Josephus uh, knew that whole area well of the area of Galilee, and he never mentioned Nazareth in his writing. They say that the town of Nazareth was just an insignificant little town they say, and they could estimate the population of Nazareth to be from 100 people to 400. Such a little town. Just a little, tiny, hick town, if you will. The town of Nazareth was likely a town of farmers, shepherds, and laborers. And they believed that the people of Nazareth would be employed in the sister city next to it, about four miles away, was a town called Sephoris. We have rarely even heard about Sephoris, at least I haven't. Sephoris was a, a population of about 30,000 people. And in their archaeological uh, digs of Sephoris, they have found it a very, to be a very um, affluent, uh, um, you know, like a Beverly Hills, if you will, uh, with culture, sh uh, uh, shopping, and they found a, a large, extravagant mosaic uh, pieces of floorings all over the city of Sephoris. 
the, the Jewish historian Josephus calls the jewel of, of the Gentiles this town, Sephorus. He calls Sephorus the jewel of, of, of Galilee. Sorry, the jewel of Galilee. And so many people believe that perhaps this was the town which would employ a lot of the people who lived in Nazareth. Nazareth was looked down upon uh, to the people of Jerusalem because there was um, a, an army base, a little town um, near there, or in uh, Nazareth itself was a Roman base, uh, army base of the Romans. They had it kind of like where a garrison was stationed there. And so they figured that from Nazareth, it was kind of defiled because the Romans had a base station there. It was roughly about 100 miles north to Jerusalem, Nazareth. So from here to Los Angeles uh, was about, obviously it's going south, we're going south, but uh, from going north from Nazareth is about 100 miles. And so here was a town that was definitely looked down upon uh, by the people of Jerusalem. If you said you were from Nazareth, you were considered a second-class citizen, much like on how here, uh, when I go down to my area near Los Angeles where I was raised, and I said, they asked me, where did you move to? And I tell them, Bakersfield. They go, Bakersfield? What's out there in Bakersfield, you know? We're known for country music uh, and, uh, you know, Buck Owens, and uh, who else are we known for out here? But anyways, we kind of have a, you know, even in Hollywood, when they're trying to, to uh, you know, disregard a people, and, and oftentimes they use the city or the, the city of Bakersfield as, um, and it's true. You know, if, you, if you've done your research, you'll see some Hollywood films make fun, fun of Bakersfield. This would be Nazareth. Uh, matter of fact, remember when the, um, in John 1, 45 and 46, when Philip, uh, one of Jesus' first disciples, he told his friend Nathaniel, and he said this in John 1, 45 and 46. He says, we have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? You see, it kind of, we get a picture of what was happening there in Nazareth. And so here you have um, a young lady by the name of Mary. This angel says here in verse 26, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a, to the, to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. And also to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. So we have the the who's involved in our story, Joseph and Mary. Mary was a, a young lady. Some believe that estimate the age of Mary could be 14 to 16 years old. A young maiden uh, here is called a virgin, betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. Betrothed, and we've talked about this, a betrothal in that period was a one-year engagement. They would sign a certificate even as if they were going to be married, they just haven't consummated, consummated the marriage. And so it would be a year-long engagement, but it would be a betrothal, would be a legal binding engagement breakable only by divorce. And so it was, you know, again, highly regarded as though you were married, but you just haven't came together yet. It was a betrothal period. And so here she was already betrothed to a man named Joseph, and I like this here, of the house of David. And we'll talk about that in just a second. 
And so in verse 28 says, and having, um, having uh, come in, the angel said to her, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. I love this. And so the narrative here, we see an angel uh, coming to Mary uh, again, being, she says, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Man, when we could really launch into another message about Mary and uh, you know, from a religion that I was raised in and how they highly regard her um, and the whole things of that nature. And she was highly favored one. Um, and, and so she was blessed of the Lord among women. And so she does deserve honor um, here but in a different facet in the way that we would say it as Bible believers. We honor her, but she is not to be worshipped. Again, we could move on and talk about other things of that nature. But So when she saw him, she was troubled, verse 29, and his sayings considered what manner of greeting this was. Like, what's going to happen? What's, you know, here's this angel telling us this greeting. And then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. I love that. We have, he's found favor with you. Well, how does she deserve that? N- nothing. It's just God's favor, God's grace. It's much like God's grace working in our lives. It's something that we don't deserve. We, it's not because we came to church on uh, this, this Christmas service that God is happy with us. Or if we're going to heaven because we get, go to church. It's because God has grace upon us. And here Mary found favor with God. God's grace. I love it. And behold, verse 31, you'll recon- you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus. And then the angel says how great he's going to be and he was going to be from the lineage of David. And, his, uh, and he will reign over the house, 33, of Jacob forever and his kingdom there will be no end. Interesting on how even it was foretold some 700 years prior Imagine that if, if somebody made a prediction today in, in 2019, soon 2020, and seven years late, 700 years later, the year 2719, it comes to be fulfilled. That's, can you think that far in advance, 2719? So far in advance, huh? But 700 years before that, in Isaiah 7:14, it says, "Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign." Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Matthew even defines that for us, which means God is with us, Emmanuel. God is with us. Verse 34, moving on. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that, that holy one who is to be born will be called the son of God. So obviously here we have Mary who's a virgin, a young lady, and she's basically saying, how could this be? I've never been with a man and how will I have a son? 
And the angel answered and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. It's amazing how people have trouble with that and how, how could God, uh, you know, how, how does that virgin birth work? You know, uh, I don't, it's belief, you know, it's understanding. If God could create the heavens and the earth, he could do this, uh, this miracle of birth. If man could, in all his, uh, you know, again, our technologies, we could split an atom and all the different things that man can do, why can't God, if, you know, again, if God could create the heavens and the earth, and create the human being, why couldn't he overshadow a young maiden and, be, and cause uh, Christ to be born through that? The Holy One to be, is to be born, will be called the Son of God. So now we, we, that was the encounter. Uh, again, Mary with the encounter with the angel Gabriel. So let's take a look at the encouragement. The encouragement in Matthew 1, 18 through 25. You want to, if you have your Bibles, if you brought that, you could turn if you'd like to Matthew chapter 1. And we're going to read uh, through 18 through 25. Let's look at the encounter here with, with Joseph. In verse 18 of Matthew verse, uh, of chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, I like that, after his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine if it was during that time, and again, she had uh, no relationship at all with anybody, and then she had just signed, if you will, that betrothal piece of paper to be betrothed to her husband Joseph, and now she's pregnant. And now verse, it says here in verse 19, it says, And then Joseph, her husband, noticed being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. You see, Joseph knew that this was going to a binding contract of being, uh, going to be married to her in, one year, uh, in that year of betrothal. And now his young um, betrothed wife, if you will, is pregnant. And so him being a just man, not wanting to make a public example, because what would happen, as we've been studying in the, uh, the Old Testament, what would happen if a young lady uh, was to be in that, found in that type of predicament? You could stone her to death. And so Joseph is really thinking these over. He's not wanting to make her a public example. Notice, was mindful or was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take, uh, to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you, will, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. I like that. And so here, the story, Joseph is met by the, uh, the angel. We don't know the angel. Perhaps some believe it's a, uh, Gabriel again. But here, an angel came to, to Joseph. You know, just as a side note, I just was thinking about Joseph being such a humble man here. Uh, Joseph even claimed, and he could follow his bloodline back to the King David. And as I was thinking about this, as it's mentioned several times of the lineage of David. 
and he could trace his bloodline back to King David. It was his rightful heir, but yet he was from a hick town, Nazareth, and he was a carpenter. Can you think about that? If he could follow the lineage to King David, the rightful heir to the throne, probably could have lived in in, in the riches of Jerusalem and well-respected among the people of Jerusalem. But yet he found him, his, his place there in Nazareth as a carpenter. And he was a just man, the Bible says, wanting to, to put his way, trying to find a way to put his wife away secretly. But he was intervened, the encounter with the angel to take on, to bring, to stay with Mary. And she will bring forth a son And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And that's one of the reasons why Jesus came and he was born, to take our sins away. There is no way that we could enter uh, heaven. Jesus said himself that, um, that no man can come to the Father except through him. Jesus was the only way that could bring us and bridge us and bring that gap. David's going to be talking about that, bridging that gap next week. And speaking of the atonement, the work of Christ. And so Jesus, that word, the name Jesus, as many of you already know, means Yeshua, or Jesus means Jehovah is salvation, or the Lord saves. Plain and simple, the Lord saves. So we see here that in our story here, we see that he's the encounter with the angel himself. And verse 22 says, and so all this was done that, I might be, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, notice, behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And that is Isaiah 7:14. We had just studied that some 700 years before was being fulfilled here in Scripture. And then it says here that, um, and real quickly, regarding Emmanuel, God with us, are you familiar with John 14? It says this, and the word became flesh, speaking John is writing of Jesus Christ, and the word, speaking of Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, God with us, Jesus Christ. And so we see here in verse 24, then Joseph being aroused from sleep, that idea is that he was, uh, as, as somebody, when you're in deep sleep, has anybody ever, anybody ever woken you up or scared you? He's aroused. Uh, it means the idea is to, um, again, to bring somebody fully awake after sleep. And so he was aroused from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, notice, and took to him his wife. What faith, Right? Imagine the mockery, perhaps the people. As a matter of fact, later on, the Pharisees would call Jesus, at least I wasn't born in fornication. He carried that stigma through his whole life that people, they, they would tell stories. They uh, gossiped about Joseph and Mary. But Joseph took him, his wife, Mary. And notice verse 25 is important to know and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name, Jesus. So, again, they didn't come together until the baby Jesus was born. And they called his name Jesus, just as the, the angel said. So, again, we talked about um, uh, 
the encouragement, or actually the encounter. Uh, and then we talked about the encouragement where the, the angel Gabriel encouraged Joseph to take Mary, his wife. And now let's talk about the, um, where are we at now? The en- uh, the encouragement, we talked about that, right? See, I don't even know my own three points. The enrollment, sorry, there we are. I, had, I lost track of my, the enrollment, the enrollment. Let's turn to Luke 2, 1 through 7 real quickly. As we did talk about the encounter with the angel Gabriel with Mary, we talked about the encouragement to stay with Mary, and now let's talk about the enrollment. See, they've got to make their way to Bethlehem, but they're stuck in this little town called um, Nazareth. And so it came in Luke 2, 1 through 7. Let's read 1 through 5. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this census took place while Cunarius was governing Syria. And so all the people, uh, so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house in the lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So we see here, and it came to pass, Luke, Luke the writer here is telling us that uh, Caesar Augustus uh, sent out a memo, if you will, and said that everybody has to be registered. It was uh, basically the enrollment for taxes. And he wanted everybody to go back to his hometown. And so, for example, if they told us to do that, we would have to go back to our physically our hometown to register for the enrollment or for um, this census to be taken place. And so here we have this enrollment. And so they had to go back to their own city. And so it says, so Joseph went, uh, also went up, uh, verse 4, Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Well, David was born in Bethlehem. That word Bethlehem simply means the house of bread, the house of bread in, in the Hebrew language. Uh, Beth means the house and Lehem means bread, the house of bread. And just real quick, this Jesus being in uh, John, I noticed in the cross-reference, John 6, 33 to 35, for the, bread, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then he said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus being that, that house of bread for us by us putting our trust in him. And so we see that Joseph here had to go to Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was, who was with child. And so estimates here is she, she was roughly nine months pregnant. She was ready to give birth. And now this census happened. Wouldn't it be rather for, for a nine-month-old, uh, nine-month you know, pregnant woman just to stay put and have the baby where she's at? Well, 700 years earlier, it says that this baby will be born in Bethlehem. And so what did God have to do to get them from Nazareth down to Bethlehem? He put Caesar Augustus in charge and says, get to your hometown and register. 
And here's the kicker, that in that day, uh, there was a Bethlehem of Galilee, which was only roughly six miles away. I have a map here that shows where Bethlehem uh, Galilee was, um, of the Galilee, Bethlehem of Galilee. There's Nazareth from there, six miles away. And when perhaps, I don't know, maybe Joseph came to her and said, Mary, we got to go to Bethlehem and register. Okay, well, all right, let's go, you know, a little six-mile walk. No, not this Bethlehem. We got to go all the way down here to this Bethlehem, 90 to 100 miles away, a one-week journey, nine months pregnant. How would that sit? It's like coming from, going from here to Magic Mountain region, that area, pretty close to that, on foot. Well, it's because they had to go. Not only because of Caesar Augustus told him it was law for them to go, 